0: Hello, everyone. Um, this is Michelle Lavis. I'm the editor of the National University Herald, and this is actually our first really live broadcast. Um, we have Diana Tierney, author of Creating Her Story. And um, we also have our special guest. We're very excited to have Erin Lindsay McCabe, author of I Shall Be Near to You. Hello. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) That was my official introduction. So you have to tell us about yourselves from here. (laughs) I say Diana should go first.
1: Oh, I go first?
2: Okay,
1: fine. Sure. It's really, I mean... I write creating her story. It's a blog about um, historical fiction and women's history. So, Erin, all right, all right.
2: tag, you're it. All right. <laughs> so uh, I'm Erin Lindsay McCabe, and I write historical fiction. And my first novel, I Shall Be Near to You, is about a woman who disguises herself as a man to fight in the Civil War um, alongside her husband.
0: Now, I bought that book, After, uh, Diana talked about it in our um, podcast last month. And it's not always the easiest to read when you have two kids. Um, (laughs) um, But this weekend, I was just, I basically parked it on the couch and read the entire thing. So it was was (laughs) wonderful. I loved it. It was such a good book.
2: Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I um, I feel like for the first three years of my son's life, I didn't read at all. I, it, it just It felt impossible. So I completely understand. And even now, I'm like shoehorning, reading in between, like, oh, he's playing with his Legos. I'll read now. Like, right? There's no crying. Right, right. That was one of the things I actually loved about um, the book. Why did I just play? All the Light We Cannot See. Uh, because the chapters were so short, I could actually finish a chapter in those little strange windows of time that I had, you know, while my son was occupied doing something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I'm jumping ahead or sideways or I don't know. <laughs> it works,
1: it works. But this is that great what we do. What? Yeah, the schedule's more like a guideline, really. <laughs> <It's interesting. laughs>
3: So, it's
1: funny to um, talk about the key to reading because this is what I have to look forward to eventually one day is trying to find snippets of time to actually read. Yes.
2: Well, I wish that I had realized earlier that a great time to read is like when you are feeding your baby. Mm-hmm. I could have read a lot more if I had realized that. Um, although I, and, and nap times, so you can read lots during naps. It's when the nap times disappear that then reading becomes really hard. <laughs> and, and then school I'm, starts,
0: right? So I'm just school, getting, I'm just now getting to the point where they can play with each other. Yes. So, it's like, oh, I have like blocks of like 15 to 20 minutes at a time <laughs> where I can read and until someone gets hurt and
3: right. all <laughs> over. So, um
0: mentioned it earlier but this month we're reading all the light you cannot see and I totally blanked on how which sections we're supposed to read for this week do you remember Diana no but I thought you posted it I did post it but I was hoping I would remember but <laughs> um, but we we'll talk about it some. We're too excited. We have a special guest. We don't know what to do.
2: <laughs> do your thing. Pretend I'm not here.
0: <laughs> well, So where did you leave
1: off in it, Michelle?
0: I have gotten to the point where... Um, I, well, I don't remember specifically where I left off, but um, why can't I remember her, her name? The main character... I'm totally blanking on her name. Um... She, her father is teaching her how to find her way through the city and mm-hmm. he's finished building the model, which I I don't know if they are making a movie out of it, but mm-hmm. I, if they're not, they need to because I really want to see those <laughs> little model houses.
2: <laughs> I know. It sounds so amazing, right?
0: <laughs> it just sounds so fun. The hidden latches and everything that he makes to, for her to find her presence. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And Oh, I just love that, and i um, they're getting ready to un- uh, unveil the gem, and all the rumors are going around about um, that it's that diamond, and they've had it already, and everyone's all excited about that.
1: I just love the character of the father. He was just the best. Yeah.
0: He's such a sweetheart. Yeah, I think he's and my you know, favorite. I- I haven't gotten to a part where something bad happens to him, but I feel like something bad (laughs) happens to him. Doesn't that (laughs) always happen
1: in the books? Where (laughs) we love the character so much, and then of course that's a character that's going to end up being the one that gets killed off.
0: Yeah. Oh, and I've also gotten to the part where um, some of the boys have joined um, the Hitler's youth. Right, right. Uh So you can see, like, the the housefrau is starting to get a little more cautious about speaking French and she's, um, you know, watching what she says and how she's acting a little a little bit more. So you can tell that the tensions are, are rising and the adults know what's going on, but the kids right. don't understand. It's, still, it's just a game to them. Right.
3: But... Thanks.
1: <laughs> I mean, they get a sense with the book, then, as, as it is with kids, they kind of they pick up on the energies. They pick up, you know, on the moods of the parents and things. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get a sense of that with the book and that section of the story.
2: Yeah, I feel like that. I'm just going to jump in. I feel like there's that. It's been a while since I've read it, and I, I know how it ends, so I'm going to try not to say anything uh, spoilery, but I, I think that. Those early chapters do a really good job of sort of building that tension and that suspense. Mm-hmm. Like you, and of course, we all you know we all bring our own knowledge about about that war <laughs> to the table, so we know kind of where it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when I was reading it, just like going, "No, I don't want him to join. <laughs> I don't want him <laughs> to be part of that." Um, so yeah. Anyway,
1: but it was almost like in that time, if you didn't join it. You were you were ostracized. You kind of had to join in to survive.
2: Right, right. It's a really. Um, I mean, I think it's well, a nice I... examination of that
3: mm-hmm. tension. You
2: know, where like, do you join in, and what happens if you don't? And and especially for kids, like, what are they supposed to do? Especially children in in his situation, like, he doesn't really have a lot of options.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You want to say something, Michelle? Yeah, I cut you off. I. Well, I'm going to put a pin on that because our live (laughs) broadcast is not live. So continue while I look very focused on what you're saying. (laughs) Well, it says it's
2: live on my screen.
1: But I'm (laughs) assuming that just means that we're recording it at the very least.
0: Oh, Oh, maybe. Oh, Rich was trying it on his cell phone. Maybe that's why. He will try it on a computer. (laughs) Um, but I love his little sister in the book.
2: Yeah, yeah her like,
0: sister. super. And I just I don't want to love any characters because I I know what this book is about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just makes me very nervous.
1: It's not as bad as Game of Thrones. I'll say that much. Yeah, it's to not be, brutal like that. <laughs>
0: uh, no, <laughs> don't get
1: too scared, Michelle.
0: Well, I've seen, like, two episodes of Game of Thrones, and I know I'm probably, like, the one of five people that hasn't watched it. <laughs> but, um, but I always see, like, people posting on Facebook that, you know, the huge events at the end of the season finales. So I really want to watch it. I've tried reading the books, and I just, I can't do it. It, <laughs> it reminded me too much of Lord of the Rings, and I really mm-hmm. wanted to read Lord of the Rings... But it just, I couldn't get into it.
1: I dropped out after book three. I read up to the third book, and then I watched. I may have watched the second season, and I think I dropped out roughly around that time. Too much death, too much yeah. other stuff.
2: I haven't read any of the books. <laughs> 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 but, I, but I have watched <laughs> the show. <laughs> And my husband read the books, and I i forget, he, he dropped out, too, at a certain point. I think he might have gotten through book four? I don't know for sure. But it was, like, the character that, the characters that he was in love with were not in whatever book was mm-hmm. next. And he was mm-hmm. like, I, I don't want to read this if the characters I am most interested in aren't even in this entire book. Mm-hmm. Um, so, But I can't remember which book that was. Cause I think that's that was.
1: book five. Oh. I think I may have actually read to book four because one of my good friends was like, you've got to at least stick to it through book four. You make it through book five. Push it through book five because it's worth it to get to book six. <laughs> and I just couldn't do it. And not enough character development. Everybody just kept
2: dying. Yeah. Yeah. I have trouble when there's and, and well this sort of applies to all the light they cannot see. I often have trouble with Characters that have not characters, stories that have multiple points of view. So there's almost always one that I'm more invested in, and I want to stay. I, I like a claustrophobic story uh, mm-hmm. where you're you're really with one character and in their head, that person's head. And so sometimes mm-hmm. for me, the it, those multiple points of view stories, I just struggle to really feel invested. Uh-huh. Um, which I wouldn't say was a problem I had with all the light we cannot see. I, I did feel invested in that mm-hmm. in that story. Um, but, you know, sometimes, like, a book like Game of Thrones, even though I haven't read it, mm-hmm. um, I suspect that that would be an issue that I would have, especially if the character oh, yeah. development isn't always yeah. great. <laughs> or if the people I like die.
1: <laughs> yeah, like, if you didn't have that much of a problem with all of the light, you cannot see one of the good things comparing that to Game of Thrones, which in this weird world, we can do. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. They, um... It's more of a limited, which, with uh, all the light you can see, because I've read it before, and I, admission, I have, I'm supposed to be rereading it. I haven't picked it up that much to reread yet, so I apologize. But, I <laughs> <laughs> I'm going up michelle Michelle's bin, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I remember that part, and I can pick up and talk about it from there. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's only, like, the two or three percent perspectives really are that you're really looking at, and right. that really helps kind of narrow it down some. Right. And as opposed to where George R. R. Martin's yeah, book, you've got like, everybody's, yeah, yeah, every chapter's a new perspective. Right. right. And that's
2: something that I have also struggled with. This could be sacrilegious, I don't know, but that's something I've also struggled with in the later Outlander books, mm-hmm. where there's so many characters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have a few I really love, and I just want to know all about them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that. I'm only up to, oh gosh, Fiery Cross? I forget which oh, number. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, it's the one where they're already in the colonies and they're already established there. It's the one
0: Come on, read on the back of the book. I, I still, I've, I finished book two. And I mean it's just it's really hard to read with kids. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well and and the Outlander books are and and books that have so many different storylines like that are harder to read when you have kids because it's harder to keep track of all of those <laughs> all of those different characters and situations when you are only able to read in like fits and starts. Mm-hmm. Um, at least yeah. for me. Maybe maybe
0: I shouldn't speak for all. Parents, no, that's
3: but... <laughs> like, I have to focus on. Bring up
0: yes. I can't I remember I used to be able to read no matter what was going on around me, but now yeah. I need silence when I read. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it's it's a mom thing, maybe I'm just getting older, I don't know.
1: But <laughs> I'll read with the television on during commercial breaks. <laughs> Not that must be weirdo. I read that much.
2: I sometimes find now, like, I am one of those people, when I was a kid, my mom would, like, call me for dinner while I was reading, and I would respond, yeah, mom, I'm coming. And Mm -hmm. then, like, I don't know how much longer, she would come back to my room and say, you said you were coming for dinner. Dinner's on the table getting cold. And I would have no recollection of either her calling me or me responding. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, when you have um, small people running around your house, you cannot get... That focused um, and that immersed in the world, because if you lose track of time to that degree, you know your kid could be like down the street or you know <laughs>
0: drowning somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> or in my case, pulling everything out of the pantry—that's their new favorite thing to do. Oh, yeah, that's oh. that's not good. <laughs>
1: I just have perfecters that are like, oh, it's reading time. Let's cuddle. Yeah. Let's sit in the book and show won the book.
0: Oh. oh, something different. Hello. Happened. <laughs> it's my husband.
3: <laughs> it works.
0: It works. Okay, okay. thank you. So Erin, I was thinking
1: something something good coffee-wise since you're at the Starbucks.
2: Yeah, well, my my go-to drink at Starbucks is the the in the summer is the um, iced chai latte. Oh. I wish I could do caffeinated like stronger caffeinated drinks but I can't.
1: I'm with you there sister. I
2: had to give up
1: my caffeine so.
0: Yeah. Caffeine doesn't even do anything for me anymore. I drink <laughs> coffee in the morning just because it's tradition. <laughs> it's sad. But I need to like I don't know. C- caffeine in an IV might be the only thing that does anything. Yeah. My problem is that um, makes me feel weird. Like,
2: makes me feel ill. So, it didn't used to do that All to that. me. Yeah. But I got older, and it started to disagree with me, I guess.
1: you are getting old fun.
2: Yeah. For awesome. me, it's
1: infertility. <laughs> I'm going through infertility treatments, and they're like, well, you have to give um, up alcohol, and you can you have to give up coffee and caffeine. Oh. And I was like, well, I can give up the caffeine. I got that covered. Mine, not so much? Why <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, you know, how badly do I want a kid here? Do I? Do I right. Like, but mine not.
2: <laughs> well, and then if you, you know, like you're supposed to give up all kinds of things, right? Uh-huh. So when you're when you're pregnant, there's so many things you can't have.
0: The one thing that so, I remember reading about was that you can't have deli meats. And yeah. Like. <laughs> I live on sandwiches, and I was like, what? No yeah. one told me that. <laughs>
2: well, it worked out just fine, right?
0: Yeah, the, the first with my daughter, I was like, buy the book, like, oh, no, I can't have that. That's not good. <laughs> the set with my son, I was like, it'll be fine. Yeah.
2: <laughs> anyway. I was sort of that way with physical activity. I was like, I'm going to ride my horse. It'll be fine. And everyone oh. thought I was a crazy person. And now I look back and I think, what was I doing? <laughs> that was a bad idea. But it wasn't.
1: <laughs> out. Yes, and you gave me great insight. I working on my book, that first draft. So I was like, I yeah. have no idea how to write about a woman pulling off a horse while Elon's pregnant.
2: Yeah, that would be really scary. <laughs> yes.
1: That but was a great I conversation. Could. It was so helpful.
2: Yeah, I can't, I mean, I can't imagine a way that would be good. <laughs> like, I don't know how you could fall well, yeah. well, eight months pregnant. And yeah,
1: and the kid survived, because it's, Anita Garibaldi is a story that it's about, and so he survived, but he had a scar running down his uh, side of space that he was born huh. with.
2: That's so oh. weird. Like, what happened?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, how did yeah. he fall to make that occur?
2: Yeah. Pelvic bones, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I try to, try to describe and imagine as best I could because, you know, that's the fun part about writing historical fiction is that you've got to fill in the blanks between the key points.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah, that
0: fiction part really comes in handy. Yes. Yeah.
2: yeah, you get to answer the questions that are unanswerable by the historical record,
0: which mm-hmm. is, is fun.
1: Yes, yeah, spilling in, conversation. So
0: speaking of <laughs> the writing process, <laughs> yeah. When I finished, as soon as I finished reading the book, the first thing I did was text Diana. Because <laughs> I hadn't texted text her in like two days. About... And I texted her and said, Oh my gosh, I just finished reading. I shall be near to you. Number one, the first thing I said was, I, well, okay, Spoiler alert, cover your ears if you yeah. haven't read it. <laughs> um, the first thing I said is I would have wanted her to take Will up on his offer because yeah. I just love Will. Me too. I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> he was such a sweetheart and like, I He's can't my favorite. if he knew before – well, no, he didn't know because he tried to kiss her. Um but that was the first thing I said was that I wanted her to take Will up on her, her his offer, and the second thing I said was I have so many questions for Erin, I need to start writing them down.
2: <laughs> well, awesome! <laughs> I really wanted Will to take uh, Rosetta to take Will up on his offer as well, and I tried to write um, a different ending in which she did, and uh, she and Will both refused. So I was mm-hmm. really, really trying to get a different. Um, a different ending there, and it, uh, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't make it work. So, yeah, that's, that's, I'm tried, I tried.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's so exciting, because it keeps with the strong character.
2: Yeah, I mean, in retrospect, I feel like that would have been a really, uh, that would have been a bad choice, just because I Feel like it would have diminished the importance of Rosetta's relationship with Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. uh, That it would have been, you know, to have her and Will actually fall in love in a meaningful way would have, yeah, would have made her relationship with Jeremiah seem so much less important. So that was a big part of it. Um, But I still couldn't, it took me a long time to figure out why Will couldn't really fall in love with Rosetta. So I. this is another spoiler. So cover your ears, everybody. Uh, but yeah, he was in the closet for me for a long time. And then my agent finally said, like, look, I think you need to answer this question. Is he gay or is he not gay? Because everyone kept asking me that. And I kept going like, huh, I meant for him to fall in love with Rosetta. Uh, and then I kind of went, oh, well, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Why he
1: won't?
2: <laughs> um, if this is the answer, so
1: yeah. And I like your answer a lot too, because Jeremiah was my favorite.
2: Well, that's good. See, I knew what was going to happen to Jeremiah from the beginning almost, so I didn't get as attached to him <laughs> as maybe <laughs> uh, as maybe I would have if if his fate had surprised me. Um, but, yeah, it's funny because there are a lot of a lot of people who know me and my husband think mm-hmm. that Rosetta and Jeremiah remind them of me and my husband, which uh, was not really intentional on at all, but obviously my you know my take on relationships is totally uh, colored, I guess, or influenced, that would be a better word, by my own relationships. So, of course, I'm going to write things that are reminiscent of the people in my life, I guess. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, I i don't... It, yeah. I, I really like Jeremiah, but I never got attached to him the same way I got attached to Will. I don't know why. <laughs> I guess because I knew what would happen.
0: Well, I accidentally... I was trying to see how, how many pages I had left to read. Oh, no. And, hey, when I, do and that. I, I, purposely, I purposely looked down, like to the bottom right. So <laughs> I would just see the page numbers, and I wouldn't see anything else. Mm-hmm. But at the last second, like, I just glanced up, and I was like, oh,
2: oh no. <laughs> I'm one of those people who will read the end. Before I finish the book, which I sometimes, yeah, I sometimes regret, but what I have most often found is that even if I do that, even if I actually can understand the ending, because a lot of times you can't really, if you read the last page, you still kind of go, I have no idea what any of this means. Mm -hmm. Uh, But even if it's a story where you can tell what it means, I often. Um, for me, so much about the it, the reading is the journey, right? How do I get to that point? So it doesn't ruin it to me uh, if I read the end. But I can see where that would be um, not ideal to learn
0: a fate of a particular character before you're ready. <laughs> well, I knew. I, I mean, I, I figured someone that was going to um, not have a pleasant earmuffs right someone it's the civil war yeah and it was a war so of course someone's gonna die yeah and i was like is it jeremiah is it rosetta who's it gonna be <laughs> and yeah i, I wasn't ready, but i usually do well I'm, try, I'm trying not to do that anymore but i used to go through and just read the last paragraph not even yeah. the last page yeah <laughs> but just to see who was still around right
2: but then it gets tricky when there's epilogues because do you read the last paragraph of the epilogue or do you read
0: the last paragraph of the last chapter? See, I, I don't know <laughs> if I've I don't think I've noticed an epilogue if I was doing that. <laughs> but now, yeah, I look
1: for it. Well, and I'm the good girl in this conversation because I never read the ending. Oh,
0: <laughs> you are. Who knew
1: I would be the same? <laughs>
0: No, I have to know. And then, you know, as I was getting closer to the end, I got to the point where, you know, you want to get to the end because you want to know what happens, but you're dreading getting to the end at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you just start skimming because you just you <laughs> want to get through it as quickly as possible to find out what happens.
2: I remember doing that with um, Cold Mountain. Mm. And... Um... And something happens at the end and I I was like, no, I missed something. That isn't that isn't how it that isn't how it ends. I missed something. I, I read too fast and I'm not understanding this and this isn't this isn't how it ends. And of course then I had to go back and reread and I was like, No. <laughs> I I I did get it right, but I could have sworn I missed it. I missed something. <laughs> I wanted it to end differently so badly.
1: Uh, it was like the book I just finished reading a, a fine imitation recently. And I was going through and reading, and I was reading fairly fast, but then it was like, because I was getting really bored by the book. And then <laughs> I, I get to a point and I'm like, wait, wait, no, this happened. It didn't happen. Actually, I, I, had to, I had to miss something, and I had to go back and reread a couple chapters. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I really didn't miss anything.
2: Oh. I always kind of, like. Well,
0: I had. Have... My... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just going to say I like it when I discover that I did miss something because if I didn't miss anything and I'm
0: as confused as I feel, <laughs> I know
3: something's wrong.
0: Well, I have kind of a random question, but I think it might be fun. Um, so if Rosetta were to have a fantasy dinner party... I
3: think so. <laughs> oh, yeah. With I'm hard going tack, there
2: with hardtack and um, let's see
3: <laughs>
0: and Which uh, his, women of historical, I guess nonfiction because they're real people, just oh. fictional stories. I think you would want to invite both of you because you're both historical people. Yeah. yeah. What was the name of that major spy? Was it
1: Belle Oh uh, Belle Boyd? Yeah, <laughs> right. uh, I think Belle Boyd would be in there.
2: Yes, she uh, would be really, really interesting just to watch. Yeah. She um I read this great book, uh nonfiction narrative nonfiction called Um Liar Temptress Soldier Spy that uh Belle Boyd is one of the four um, Civil War spies, who is featured in that book, and she is just she and Rose O'Neill Greenhow, uh, who makes an appearance in I Shall Be Near to You. They are both just fascinating to me. Like I don't actually want to talk to them, um, but I would love to watch them in action. I would love to be be at the dinner party, but seated across the table and down a few
1: from both of them. <laughs> It's <laughs> the um, work.
2: Yes. And I think, like, Rosetta would be just totally uh, confused by what those two women would be doing. Um, mm-hmm. Because she is such a straightforward person. And mm-hmm. Belle Boyd and Rose O'Neill Greenhow just, you know, like, they knew how to work it. And they mm-hmm. would... Basically say, I think, basically say or do whatever <laughs> necessary to get what they wanted. Um, mm-hmm. So they would be kind of at opposite ends of the spectrum. But that would be very, very fascinating to have those two ladies um, at a dinner party with Rosetta. Uh, Rosetta would have to kick mother. up the, no- the cooking a few notches.
1: Because <laughs> these yeah, were society ladies. going on. You, uh, Rosetta, well, I love the death, but she's a country mouse. <laughs> and then you have Belle is, and Rosa is striking as, you know, city mouses. Yes. Or city yeah. mice, I should say. So you would have yeah. a bit of that going on. So that would be fun.
2: Yes. I think um, I would totally... Do I have to stay with the time period, or can it be from any time
1: period? No, it can be anything. Okay.
2: Well, this is still keeping with the time period. I would definitely um, put Clara Barton at that table. Um <laughs> Just because I, I would love to be at a dinner party with Clara Barton. Uh, and maybe, like, a Susan B. Anthony or um, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. They would be... They would, sort of, they would sort of be able to tell the women, like, where they fit in in the scheme of the historical and political um, realms. Uh, gosh, who else? I don't know. I have this list that I keep of um, historical women who I think are fascinating and of course I cannot think of a single woman on that list right now (laughs) but it's a really awesome list
1: it Uh, is I've used that list when I was working on my April A to Z project and I needed some like people to pull in and I was like I had to go through I went through your list on your website on your blog I should say the Get some ideas. Yeah, and you've and I, some ideas on there, and I can't think of any others either.
2: Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you used that list, though. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it was hard. I had to come up with 26 different women to match each and every alphabet. And yeah,
2: like, that's yeah. difficult. Ooh, somebody who I I would love to read a um, fictional take on Sor Juana In- Inez de la Cruz, who was a, a nun. Um, I forget. How early I think she was like 1600s maybe don't quote me on that um, but she was fascinating I read a, I think it was a her letters she was a fire fiery lady kind of like a Mary um, Mary Woenstone craft but um, you know from a different country <laughs> from Mexico and um, but she was she was fascinating. I would love to stick her at that table with a translator and um, see what she would have to say to Rosetta and, <laughs> and the spies. Um, because her... You know, she really uh, advocated for women being... I mean, I think she was really a nun because she wanted to be educated and that was the only way she could be an educated woman and have access to letters and learning. But she was censured by the church leadership for for her interest in wanting to be educated and sort of told that she was not going to be allowed to read anymore. So, And she was yes. a pope. I think I could be remembering this wrong. But um, there's definitely a, a set of letters that she wrote uh, kind of in defense of her right to continue um, reading and, and seeking education. They wanted to take all her books away from her. Um, so, and I can't remember if they actually successfully did that or not. Uh,
1: but she, so she was fascinating. Yeah, and that's a fascinating thing that they would do that, because there's so many other stories in history. There's um, one woman, um, are you blanking on her name? It's like Christina there's something, and she was the first college-educated woman way back in, like, the Renaissance, and she ended yeah. up joining church, and yeah. she became a nun, and that was the only way for women to actually become, be educated and to be nurses and to right, be scholars right. was through the church.
2: Right. And you think, like, gosh, you know, like, maybe they didn't want to have that traditional sort of life, mm-hmm. but, you know, maybe they did, but they had to make a choice, and that's the mm-hmm. part that I think so hard to... I mean, I guess I feel that way about about, like, a woman like Rosetta... Mm -hmm. Um, The real Rosetta Wakeman and the real female soldiers who fought in the Civil War, uh, you know, were they fighting in the war because they really wanted to be soldiers or because they wanted opportunities that, as women, they couldn't have? Uh, And sometimes it's really hard in history to separate out, like, Mm -hmm. what were were a woman's reasons for, for living the life she lived and giving up the things she gave up? Um, you know, was that would that be the life she would choose if she had all the options available to her? Or would she have chosen something else that maybe could have been a more, you know, could she have had it all? Um, mm-hmm. Would she have wanted it all? <laughs> um, <laughs> or did she want the life that she actually chose? You know, did, did Sor Juana and De La Cruz want to be a nun? Or is that just the life she had to choose to do the thing she wanted to do more? Mm-hmm. I think I'm off the track of your dinner the the dinner party though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think you got a great guest list going there. Any yeah. other questions before we move on? Cuz we have got to name off our uh, our uh, fierce women. That's right.
0: I got my list. Yes. Oh yes, no, please go ahead.
1: Okay. Well, now, were we going to do just historical fiction fierce women or are we going to do all genres? Because if we're going to do all genres, I've got more women to add than just the standard five.
2: I have all historical, but I have more than five also.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was going through my books. It was so hard to to choose which woman I wanted, because there are just so many great women in in literature and history. And
2: And I sort of found myself debating, like, okay, like, what kind of fierce is this character? (laughs) Does this count as fierce? Is she fierce enough? She's fierce in a different way.
1: Okay, so Erin, since you're our guest, what's your first
2: two? Okay, my first one?
1: Mm-hmm. Or
2: or a whole list.
1: Um, let's go with your first your first two and then we'll go around for for that.
2: Okay. So I um this is kind of actually going back I didn't realize I had done this, but this is kind of going back to the dinner party idea again because these are characters who um these first two are characters actually There's three characters on this list that I think um, Rosetta in I Shall Be Near to You, I think she would have an awesome time sitting around a campfire um, with these ladies. So one of them is, um, her name is Lydia, and she is the main character in a book called The Jump Off Creek, which is by Molly Gloss, who is an author I love. Uh, And she writes, Molly Gloss writes a lot sort of about pioneer women, or women who don't quite fit the mold. Uh, and so in Jump Off Creek, Lydia is, she sets off to basically homestead alone. Uh, and so she is this lone woman homesteading this this piece of land. And the, the book is sort of told in her journal entries, which are very terse. And then you get kind of um, a story. An, an actual narrative that's you know from a different perspective, so it's just a fascinating book. I loved that book so much, and um, and she's she's a very strong character. She's very capable, uh, but she struggles, as you might imagine. Um, so she's one who I who immediately kind of popped into my head. The other one who immediately popped into my mind is um, Maddie Ross, who is. The protagonist, the young protagonist from True Grit, which is another book that I, um, by Charles Portis, which is a book that I love, the, especially love the humor in that book, even though what Maddie is doing is is trying to get revenge for her um, her father's murder. So that's sort of, the fact that she's, I think she's 13 when the book starts. So she's a 13-year-old girl, alone, traveling, and um, trying to Hunt down her father's murder. Um, so I think those two and Rosetta would have some things to
1: chat about. Oh, certainly, yes. How about and you, Michelle? They're fierce. Oh yes. <laughs> you got a few of your, uh, yours, Michelle?
0: You know, I'll I'll be honest. I wrote down all these questions, and then I totally forgot to make the list of fierce women. <laughs>
3: So I'll be
0: a uh, a what's it called a um a, a moderator. There you go.
3: Okay, All perfect. Right.
0: Well, I'm you moder- can always
2: maybe somebody's gonna pop. pop into your mind that you think should be yeah. on our list.
0: Every
1: woman, in lander Well, I mean,
0: I think at this point. It's a given that Outlander will make every single episode <laughs> in yeah. one way or another.
2: <laughs> I purposefully left Claire Fraser off my list. Me too.
1: Me too. I <laughs> Michelle would have her on her list.
0: So there. Well, someone was going to have her. and <laughs> I mean, Either she... I, last week, I deliberately didn't... Or maybe two weeks ago when we were doing Favorite Couples... Mm -hmm. I deliberately didn't do Claire and Jamie because I figured Diana was going to do Claire and Jamie, (laughs) so I did (laughs) Benny and Ian.
1: I think I did Claire and Jamie, if I remember correctly.
0: But I I think it just goes without saying that Outlander is always going to be here. (laughs) (laughs) We have,
1: like, all Outlander segments. All right, so my my next, my first two... um, I am sli- I have a slight girl crush on Marlene Dietrich. I read um, the autobiographical historical fiction on her life. It's Marlene Dietrich, a novel. And, hmm. yeah, she was just fierce and interesting. She was bisexual in uh, the 1920s going into the 30s, living in Berlin, which Berlin, hmm. I'm just obsessed now with Berlin pre-World uh, War Two and how very Vegas-like it was, hmm. and even more seedier than Vegas in some regards, <laughs> and so she was just strong and fierce and just a really cool person, and then my next one is kind of a two-parter, it's um, Vianne and Isabel from the Nightingale,
3: uh, I don't I know if read,
1: you, I, you read that one yet,
2: I haven't read it yet, I read it
1: yet. I on The Nightingale, it's about uh, these two sisters in France during the German occupation. And one sister, Isabel, who's this young, reckless girl, um, she ends up taking uh, soldiers over the Great Pyrenees. And she wow. gets involved in the resistance movement. And Vianne is just trying to keep her family together in the French countryside. Her husband gets sent off to war. She ends up having to... Um, have a German soldier occupy her house, and she has a daughter, and she gets involved in trying to save the Jewish children of her community. And it's a story about these sisters moving along on their own separate paths during the war and then just crashing into each other. Um, And they're a very fierce, very strong woman for what they had to go through. Hmm. Okay, Erin, you're next, too.
2: Okay, so this maybe will piggyback off of then Gail, which I ha- is on my stack, uh, <laughs> my enormous stack. Uh, so I was thinking about uh, the book Codename, the Verity, Codename Verity, which uh, features two friends, one of whom is um, a pilot during the w- World War One, no World War Two, sorry, <laughs> and um, and the other who is a spy. And one uh, of uh, whom is um, a pilot during Whoop. the World War One. No, World War Two. Sorry. <laughs> and um, and the other who is a spy. And uh, what is, happened? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm on repeat. Okay. Uh, and so <laughs> so. I don't want to say too much about them, but the the story is a great story of friendship, and their friendship and their love for each other is pretty fierce. And the end of that book, which I can't give away, the end of that book just uh, it killed me. So, <laughs> um, but both both of these characters are fierce not only for what they do as part of the war effort. Uh, just you know being a pilot being a spy that those two roles are kind of outside the norms of what you might expect at that time for a woman to be doing and then but then uh, the extremes to which they go to I guess protect their 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 knowledge is uh, is also just fierce. Uh, I guess. I, I'm trying not to be spoilery, but I probably, I don't know, anyway, I really enjoyed that book. It is YA, so there, uh, the a lot of the book is about torture. It is, um, it's not as brutal as maybe it would be if it had been written as an adult novel, um, and, and I appreciated that, although it could have gotten a little bit more brutal for me, and I would have been okay <laughs> uh, but but that's something to know about that book going into it that if, if you know someone being captured by and, and tortured by the Germans is something you told then don't pick up that book um, but' it's, it's a really both those characters I just thought were amazing characters.
1: Okay, well, okay. my next one I put down was um, The Amazing Arden, because I love... Oh, yeah. The <laughs> <real one>? yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes. You
1: know, I love her character, and, I mean, a female magician at the time was just so unheard of. Yes. And she pulled off, I think, the best con in the whole world. Yes. And, yeah, very fierce. I adore her character. And then my next one was... Um, Beryl Markham from mm. Circling the Sun. Yeah. I think she's one of the most misunderstood women in history, I would think. I don't know if you would say that, too.
2: Maybe, yeah. I mean, she she just, I felt like she could do anything that she set her mind to. Whatever yeah. she wanted, she was going to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Horse racing, farming. Yeah. Airplane flying. I mean, really.
2: Yeah, that um, that novel made me want to go back and read West with the Night and and read her own take on her life. But then I was like, I'm not sure if I want to because I liked the portrayal of her in the novel.
1: <laughs> West with the Night is on my to do my to read list, and I have yet to actually read it because of that because I yeah. really love the novel and her portrayal. Of- you know, of her in the novel. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I thought she was a fascinating fascinating real person and fascinating character in that book.
1: Yeah, and I think she was misunderstood because she was such a victim of the rumor mill. Yeah.
2: And
1: it's a, you know, a lesson of what gossip can do to people.
2: Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she really, I mean, she really... She just kept plowing on ahead despite (laughs) despite the (laughs) rumors despite all of that. Yeah.
1: And then my last one is Juliet Moreau from The Madman's Daughter. Which
0: Ooh, I I just got that from the library today. (laughs) I saw that on your vlog. So I am excited to read that. No spoilers. (laughs) Okay.
1: But what I like about it, I consider it to be historical fiction in many regards. But it's also it's very much a retelling of gothic stories. It's very much a retelling of the Island of Doctor Moreau from the doctor's daughter's perspective. Because I mean, that's not giving anything away. The madman's daughter just tells you everything right then and
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> not much of a big but, yeah. secret. I can figure that part out.
1: Oh, <laughs> good. <all> okay. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I found her character to be very fierce, very um, brave with everything that she had to face in that book. And I'm planning on reading this, the second one, on my next vacation.
0: So. <laughs> <laughs> one book, I, I don't think this qualifies because I haven't actually read it yet. But I do imagine that there, that they would fall into this category is a book that's on my. List called Loving Eleanor, hmm. and oh. I didn't. I I don't know if I saw it on your blog, Diana, or yeah, if I'd... I
1: spotlight on it. Um, oh, I forget the main character's name. Also, I was supposed to yeah. read it, and then I ran out of time to read it.
0: It's between. Yeah. It's a, a reporter um, that I think her name was um, Hick. Was her nickname? Yeah.
1: Yeah, Penn Hick is her nickname, and then she and she's uh, Eleanor Roosevelt's lover.
0: <laughs> and it's all based on letters that they found between the two of them,
3: mm-hmm. and
0: hmm. it just sounds super interesting. And to hide, you know, to be a reporter, I'm as a, an aspiring journalist, you know, to be assigned to cover the first lady of the United States, and then. Fall in love with her, but still have to do your job and then keep it secret because you can't let anyone know that you're in love with the first lady of the United States. <laughs> she
1: has a husband too, on top of the She is Married, yeah. So, you have to fall in love with her and you have to share her. I, can do that. There's I, I don't. Well.
0: So many, so many things going on in that storyline. I haven't read it yet, but it sounds fascinating. But it just sounded so interesting. And then for, I mean, I never knew that about Elizabeth. Uh, did you? No, no.
1: <laughs> I, did. I, I, I did. I didn't know how true it was or what the the deal was, whether she actually had a relationship or not. But there have been there have been jokes. Hmm. I've heard. I forget where, but there have been somewhat crude jokes hmm. uh, relating to her possibly being of that mindset. Um, so I, could, I always kind of knew, I just didn't know that there was a specific relationship with her and somebody else.
0: Huh. Well, I was reading the... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> I, I was reading the synopsis of it, and I was like, that's not true. <laughs> and this is why um, we write historical fiction.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's what I love about historical fiction is you find those stories and you go, that can't, that's like um, Twain's End, I think, which is a recent historical novel that came out. Um, and it... Which I
1: just got the mail yesterday. Oh, did you?
2: <laughs> so it, yes,
1: it I features... did. I'm so excited to read it.
2: Yeah, it features Helen Keller, right? Am I remembering this right? I haven't read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like a, a relationship that, kind of like a three-way relationship with her her Who's the woman who helped her? Totally blanking. Ann- something. Yes, Annie Sullivan. Thank you. So Annie Sullivan and her husband and Helen Keller, and supposedly they, there was a lot going on there. <laughs> really. Yeah. yeah
3: so. so like, go that.
0: Yeah, that one looks fascinating. <laughs> I, I mean we we kind of went off on a just a one <laughs> giant no 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 not not tonight um oh. <laughs> last week when we were doing historical fiction we just kind of like went off on a giant discussion about historical fiction and one thing that we said is you learn things that you wouldn't learn otherwise i had no idea that women dressed up as as men and right. went off to fight in the civil war until i read your book
2: right it's like the footnotes in history <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Yeah, like I'm doing the research now for um, my NaNoWriMo books. I have my regular book that I work on that I'm editing, <laughs> um, which is Anita Garibaldi story. And I'm kind of ADD with all my projects, so this is just me. And then I have – I'm researching um, a story of the Italian um, internment during World War II, mm. which the Japanese – everybody knows Japanese were interned. And about th- just over 3,000, 3, to 4,000 Italians – Hmm. were during World War II. Hmm. Um, Some along with um, the Japanese, and it's something that there was only like a paragraph in high school that I had read about it, and I didn't know anything else about it. And now I'm like doing all this research for this for my November NanoRima book, and it, there was this whole thing. People weren't they weren't allowed to uh, continue fishing on their boats. So a lot of them up in Monterey lost their jobs. They couldn't travel more than five miles from their home. Uh, there's a monument in Los Angeles to one of the Ital- uh, internment camps that were just for Italians. Hmm. And, yeah, without historical fiction, you wouldn't know about right. this. Though.
0: Right, right. <laughs> we'll have to go see that monument when we go up for the Italian festival. That's in September, right?
1: <laughs> yes, it is.
0: Yeah, every year I go
1: to the Feast of San Gennaro in Hollywood. And it's this wonderful little Italian festival. I grew up in New York. Michelle grew up in New Jersey.
0: And
1: <laughs> it's very much like living, being back in the East
0: Coast. Eat lots of cannoli, and it's wonderful. oh, cannoli.
1: <laughs> I grew up right, like- where, where, where Rosetta's from. <laughs> that was one of the things I loved about that. I was when it said Herkimer for the location, I was like, "Oh my god, that's, I used to go there all the time."
2: Oh, that's I awesome. There. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of the sad things for me about my research for that book is that I didn't actually ever go to Herkimer or Utica or any of the any of the New York locations. I didn't get to go to. I I did this big road trip back east. To go to the battlefields, but I just could not quite make it work with the time I had to actually get up to New York. And I was like, the battlefields uh, I really have to go to. But um, so yeah, I I wrote most of that the stuff from New York. I just used pictures
1: of off the internet <laughs> what the area looked <laughs> like. For the longest time, I thought you were living on the East Coast. <laughs> and then I started following you on Instagram, and I was like, "Wait a minute, you were up north." <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I'm a California girl. <laughs> oh, that's well, funny. You did a good job. well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> I always worry about that because I'm like, "Oh, I didn't actually go there. I really wanted to." Yeah.
1: Well, Google Maps is a wonderful thing because I've never <laughs> been to Brazil or Uruguay, and most so. <laughs> I'm, like, always on Google Maps, like, looking up specific roads and things yes. and areas.
2: Yeah, and I used a lot of field guides, too, so huh. that I could get the plants right. <laughs> <laughs> or hopefully get the plants right. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry if
1: you hear me looking. That's my dog. Aww. She suddenly decided that she
0: wants her dinner. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes.
3: I've got She's two
0: nice. monsters here. <laughs> I... I, um, I'm not as into historical fiction as Diana is just because it's not um, a genre that I've read a lot. But going being a sounding board for Diana while she was writing and then now I'm getting more into it because I'm hearing all these awesome books and reading more and more. The research that you guys have to do is <laughs> crazy.
2: It is crazy, but it's fun. I mean, sometimes it's annoying when I'm like, how many buttons were on a soldier's uniform? How oh can God, I find God. out how many
1: buttons? I had to go back and rewrite a whole section of my book, <laughs> I, my second round of edits, because I got their directions wrong.
2: <laughs> right. So that, messy. <laughs> things like that are frustrating and sometimes very tedious. And, like, for me, especially when I was trying to figure out where the troops were moving and and, like, maybe I maybe I could find a reference in a historical, uh, a work of history about my regiment, but then I needed to know where the specific company was.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: that would be very difficult sometimes to to find that piece of information. But other times, the, the research really feeds the writing. Like, mm-hmm. you find a tidbit, and you're like, ooh, I have to include that somewhere in this book. Um, you know, like, a tiny example of that from from I Shall Be Near To is there's a moment kind of towards the end of the book where um, the the gross character, Hiram, um, he says that he found a, 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 not a ring, he found a bone on the battlefield and he carves it into a ring that he's going to send, send home. Um, and that, I could never think of something that creepy. Um, But that, that that came straight out of a letter that a Confederate soldier had written home to his, I believe it was his sister. And he was sending her two rings that he had carved from bones that he had found on the battlefield. And he said that one was for her and one was for his mother. And it was so that when his sweethearts came and asked his mother what he was doing in the war, she could show them that ring. And I just thought, that is a really great detail that depicts sort of the mindset and the way that battle and that experience might warp a person's idea of, you know, what is kind of acceptable and what is um, worth preserving, I guess. Uh, And so that was something, you know, that would be an example of research that just Mm -hmm. fed fed a part of the story, fed a little scene that otherwise I wouldn't have ever... You know, that wouldn't be in there were it not for the research I was doing.
0: Well, that's one one thing I kept thinking before, you know, getting to the end. I kept thinking, how are they going to go back and live a normal life after this? There's no way.
2: Right. right. And that was, that was a question that I kept thinking, too. Uh, I mean, I specifically wanted... I mean, I'm glad that that question came up when you were reading it because it was a question that I felt like I was continually hitting up against as I was... Working on this book is just the impossibility of going back and and leading the same life uh, and and being you you wouldn't be the same person. Um, but you know how do you how do you yeah how does any soldier come back after the experience of battle and and go back to a a regular you know stereotypical life? I don't know. Uh, and I. I thought about that a lot because I was working on the book while, you know, kind of in the midst of Af- the Afghanistan war and the Iraq war. And so that was definitely very present in my mind. Like, I, d- I don't know how soldiers do it. I really
1: don't. Very slowly, I can say. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because mine yeah. was over there. Mine was in, Afghan- in, um, in Afghanistan and then... He did went back uh, after he got out to do contracting in Iraq and then again in Afghanistan, and yeah, it's a slow, slow process. And you're never, yeah, you're never the same. You never right. come back the same. Right, right. You can't. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely not. And and where he was, he was relatively safe compared to what a lot of other soldiers were. You know, so he wasn't on downrange. He was mostly on base, but you he still had a number of dangers, and you still had a lot of crap to to deal with, yeah. Like we were watching, uh, slightly off topic, we were watching the movie Whiskey Tangle Foxtrot. Mm-hmm. I think I told Michelle about that because I'm sure she loves Tina Fey too. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was about a journalist, so she has to watch it. Yeah.
2: Who doesn't love Tina Fey? <laughs> commies,
1: commies, commies look don't love Tina. Fey. That's what I'm um, but it was funny because I wasn't sure if I wanted to watch it with my husband because he was there, and I'm like. So I watched it first, and I was like, okay, this is really funny. You should give it a go. And he's watching it, and he's laughing, and he was like, yes, that really happened. And he was amazed by how accurate that movie was. Hmm. Um, for her actually being there, like, when she gets off the plane, they're like, oh, be careful. the air, There's literally shit in the air. There's people <laughs> flying through the air. And I was like, is that true? Does that really happen? And he's like, oh, yeah, they burn all their trash, including their and huh. that all goes into the air. And so, yeah, that, that was accurate. That was very, very true. Huh. So, yeah, okay, so diversion. <laughs> oh, and so before we, because we're getting late, so we should probably think about wrapping up in a little bit. Because I know it's getting dark for Aaron.
0: <laughs> I know, I can slowly <laughs> really see the film closer. going away. Like, that's my time. <laughs> my, uh, my watch is how dark it's getting behind you. Oh, <laughs>
2: The lights just came on outside.
1: <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, we got a picture yeah. of the ones that at least Michelle and I were drinking um, yeah. with. Um, I went with a Globeretti. Um, it's a Spanish wine, uh Because yeah, I speak Spanish. Um, <laughs> so this is the label. And I went with this because I figure fierce women travel a lot, and it looks like a hot air balloon and Lots of really cool animals on it, so <laughs> I went mean, with It's A really good bold red wine, because I mean, fierce women drink very bold red wines, in my opinion.
0: And Michelle, you? I'm actually finishing. <laughs> speaking of bold, fierce women, finishing my cupcake wine. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> Just because payday is tomorrow, and I have to wait to go food shopping until then. Yes.
1: <laughs> I have now three open bottles of, four open bottles of wine in my kitchen.
0: I know. This, this podcast is like just vastly increasing my wine collection, which is a good thing. Uh-huh. But I'm the only one that drinks wine in this house, so it's like, okay, I don't want it to go bad. Oh, well. Or you're going to have to start cooking more with it. Yes. That's too. I actually I did some meal planning this week, and yeah. a couple of the recipes require wine. Perfect. I don't know if I mean I should drink it or I need to pour it into the food. But
2: a little bit of both. Wine, a little
0: bit of yeah, both. both. Yeah. You put it in.
2: You put it in the recipe, and then you drink the rest. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: That's why I like to make risotto.
0: That's
1: <laughs> <laughs> how I like to make my sauces. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's about how I like life really. Right. After the kids go to bed, I'm not like, you know, oh, drinking while changing diapers or anything. Right. <laughs> of course not. No.
3: No, you it's can all the
0: that drive you to drink later. Yes. Yeah. Yes. This is true. <laughs> so much to look forward to, Diana. I can't wait to get no. those text
2: messages. <laughs> oh
1: my it's, god. Why, really why did I funny. do this? Why did I put myself through this? <laughs>
2: It's really fun. It is fun. Mostly. It's a lot of fun. Yeah.
1: Now are you guys just saying that so that I'll do a fault with you or <laughs>
2: No. No, I actually did not think I was ever going to have children and um so you know, was committed to not having any children. So when I found out I was pregnant I was like, uh oh, this is really um different than what I had planned. Uh, so I feel like I can speak to both perspectives of not wanting to have children and, and also having children. Uh, but yeah, I it is a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. It's also a lot harder, but it's harder in different ways than I thought it would be, um, it's challenging as a person. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> it's making me
0: more patient. <laughs> yeah, um, your patience is like is test. I didn't know that I was an impatient person until I had kids. <laughs> yes.
2: yes, I was a high school teacher. And my students would always comment on how patient they thought I was. <laughs> um, but I have had to learn more patience. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, I enjoy it so much more than I thought I would. Um, because a lot of times when you don't have kids and you're watching other people parent, it looks like a lot of work, especially when they're little and, you know, kind of like wild animals. <laughs> Um, but they get more and more fun, and, and, but it's, you know, like, I am not, I never was a baby person, like, if there were a puppy or a kitten in the room and a baby in the room, I would 100% go to the kitten or go to the puppy, even now. Um, but my own baby was just endlessly fascinating and adorable to me, and, and remains that way. Um, (laughs)
0: you get to do things that without a kid might be considered weird but, right <laughs> but like a couple weeks ago there was a fairy festival down here and you know what woman in her 30s without kids is going to be like oh a fairy festival <laughs> but I have a daughter so it's okay <laughs> well I would have gone with you oh okay So
1: yeah, and I could have borrowed
2: one of your children, so that, you know... Yeah. yeah so you do, and you get to relive parts of your own childhood. You know, like, that's fun, too. Like, introducing your child to things that you loved when you were a kid. That's really fun.
0: <laughs> and I get to do story time with them, so we read two books every morning. Nighttime is too hard. They're too wired, so I have to do story time in the morning. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: And to see... Lily she just she, now she sees books in a bookstore and she goes, "Oh mama, books." And it's just like ugh, oh. your daughter. Yes, my
2: son oh, my. has just discovered the How to Train a Dragon series and he is like, "Mom, we have to go to the bookstore and get the next one." <laughs> and like they're totally not books that I would necessarily choose. Uh, so, although I'm really enjoying reading them to him, and so that's really fun, too, because I'm being exposed to things that I wouldn't necessarily um, be exposed to otherwise, and I get to enjoy it along with him, and then it's it's fun to, yeah, see your your own personal obsessions sort of be become this other person's obsessions. Although my son, he, when we go to bookstores, he goes, Mama, are we going to this bookstore for fun or for work? He's been to a a lot of book events
0: with me (laughs) It's always fun in a bookstore Right, that's what I try to tell him (laughs) It's only not fun when you have no money and you have to leave the books there when you go
2: Right Right.
0: Yeah, that's sad
1: (laughs) So in closing it up, uh, what do you have coming up Erin that you'd like to share with everybody
2: Oh, Oh, well um, and actually, I, I had a character on my Fierce fierce Ladies or Fierce Females list that um, is coming up sort of in our, um, our next historical fix uh, Twitter chat. So um, we are focusing on YA for our next Twitter chat, which is on the 26th, which I think is like next Tuesday already. How did that happen? Yeah. Um, <laughs> i got to get on that. Two weeks
3: from now. Um, yeah,
2: okay. I keep doing that this month. I keep thinking that I'm like a week ahead. Okay, so two <laughs> weeks from now, um, we are focusing on um, YA historical fiction. And one of the um, books that we are going to be featuring, the author is going to be our guest actually, is Erin Bowman and her book, Vengeance Roads. Which, from the title, you can immediately tell that it's got some seriousness to it. But um, the the main character in that book, her name is Kate, and she is like Maddie Ross from True Grit, That the two stories are actually kind of similar, um, in that both girls are on a quest to avenge their father's death. So that was a really um, fun, fierce read, and I'm really looking forward to talking to and um, chatting with Aaron Bowman, um, and also Stacey Lee is joining us, who wrote the novel *Under a Painted Sky* and *Outrun the Moon*. And those characters are—I wouldn't describe. Well, I haven't read *Out Outrun the Moon* yet. That's the <laughs> but *Under a Painted Sky*, one of the things that I loved about that book is actually the the main character is Samantha is not fierce. But she is. Um, her father is murdered. Also, gosh. Um, <laughs> murder. <parents>. I know. <laughs> I know. I like murder. Um, and and she basically she is forced to run away from the town where he was killed, or else she is going to be sort of forced into uh, prostitution by her father's landlord, who is saying that it's their fault that the the property they were renting burned down
0: when it's yeah. clearly,
2: clearly an act of arson. So anyway, she is not really a fierce person by nature, but she is forced to disguise as a boy and escape, and she is trying to get to California. So um, anyway... I'm rambling. Both of these books are books I really enjoyed. So I'm really looking forward to chatting with those authors and chatting with the Historical Fix crew. And certainly if people would like to join us, we are always happy to welcome new new people to our chat, which is on Tuesday, July 26th um, at 5.30 Pacific. So that's what's coming up.
1: Most. And those are fun chats. I join in yeah. even if I don't always read the book. I still like to join in and follow along. So was- yeah.
2: You definitely don't have to read the book to join the historical, fi- or, you know, the authors that we're featuring. We don't, you don't need to read their books in order to join the chat. Um, we just like having a theme so that we're not always recommending the same historical fiction <laughs> to each yeah, other. Understand uh, how <laughs> right. Otherwise, oh, it'd be like Outlander. Have you read Outlander? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're really looking forward to that chat. <laughs> and 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 anyone is welcome to join us And if you love historical fiction It's a great place to um, make your, your your TBR pile blow up Like, ridiculously
1: <laughs> <laughs> So Michelle, you're going to want to get on that Because I know your yes. TBR pile is so small Since we started this podcast I
0: didn't know, it's just like, you know I have one book I mean, I'll be done with it by tomorrow So, no big deal <laughs> Right. Well, <laughs> you're reading
1: three books at a time now, aren't you?
0: <laughs> I found I found a book that you haven't read yet, Diana, which is huge because a lot of my book recommendations come from Diana. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm always trying to find new ones that she hasn't heard of. Um, but <laughs> maybe you have read or, heard of this. But um, it's a book called Radio Girls. Oh.
1: I have heard of it, but I have oh. not read it. <laughs> I don't know that much about it, but I've heard the name. I've heard of it.
0: <laughs> well, I've—it's um, about the um, women that work the the switchboards oh. um, for a radio station, and it's kind of like a, a historical fiction thriller. Ooh. Oh, then you know what? I thought it was something else, and I have not
1: heard of this one. So you—you oh. got it. <laughs> I have not heard of it. Yet. Um.
0: And I saw it at Barnes and Noble and I'm gonna go back and buy it, but um that's like all of a sudden now that I'm in this world of historical fiction, it's like historical fiction is everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> I know. We're gonna convert her. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Well what's funny is I, I text Diana and I said, So I kinda have this idea, but I've never written historical fiction before, so I don't know if that's my thing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and find out. That's right. I I didn't know that I loved historical fiction. Uh, Like, I didn't even really realize it was a genre um, until... I can't even remember. I was an adult, and I went wow, I really gravitate towards the stuff that's called historical fiction. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I would say that probably when I started writing it is when I really realized. And then, of course, I looked back on my lifetime as a reader and went, I've been reading historical fiction since I was a kid. You know, I was reading Little House on the Prairie and um, Good Night, Mr. Tom and all kinds of things that were historical. And I just didn't realize that, that it was a thing, <laughs> I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, it's the same thing with me, where it was like, um, I, was, I always thought I was a fantasy book girl. I like the fantasy books and the urban fantasy, and when NaNoWriMo will come along, i try to write that. And uh, my father is actually an author, and he's writing some books, uh, non-fiction books, because that's his thing. And he was like, you need to read about Anita Garibaldi. You're going to love her. You need to read about her. And I kept blowing them off, and finally I was like, all right, just to shut you up for the next time I come over for dinner, <laughs> I'm going to read about her. And I I, gained, I fell in love with her. I fell in love with her story. I fell in love with everything about her. And then I started writing her. And then from the point of writing her, it was just like with you, Erin, where I was like, okay, now this is all I want to read. Yeah. This is all I want to write. All these ideas start popping into the head that I have to write down, like, what about this? And Yeah. Yeah, you just kind of get sucked in.
2: But it's interesting because I feel like there are a lot of um, there are a lot of historical fiction readers who I have come across bloggers especially who I feel like also really love fantasy, so I am not necessarily a fantasy fan, but I feel like there's a, a real crossover there and i I wonder what it is, and maybe it's partially that that you're creating this world that doesn't quite exist, like the historical world no longer exists and the fantastic world no longer, or does not exist, but you also have to make them relevant to contemporary readers. Like, Mm -hmm. I wonder if that is somehow... Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but it definitely seems like there are a lot of historical fiction readers who are also big fans. Mm -hmm. Oh,
1: yeah. I I see that a lot, too. Yeah. yeah. And I wonder if, you know, maybe some of the genres, like, I've got friends who are... Um, they actually do a podcast now, um, the um, a thea, theater one. Uh, <laughs> that's all, folks.
0: Um,
1: and they're very much into the steampunk fantasy. Yes. Yeah. That is a subgenre crossover with fantasy and historical yeah. fiction because you've got this alternate universe. And their yeah. um, thing is called The Sage and Savant podcast. Hmm. Uh, it's on iTunes if anybody out there who likes uh steampunk is interested well,
2: and that's, you know like you know even like Game of Thrones or mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, like those are definitely sort of historical fantasy where it's it's a history, but it's also fantasy like it's a history of yeah. a place that doesn't exist
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly
0: Well, I can tell that we could sit here and talk for like <laughs> three more hours right. <laughs> Yes, without even breaking a sweat. <laughs> but um, maybe this just means that we have to have you back for another episode. Oh well, anytime. <laughs> this yes, was thanks for joining us. Yes, yes thank you, that... you for inviting
1: me. <laughs>
0: and I, I apologize <laughs> and again for, for the.
1: Blog. Oh, and then the stuff going on with my blog, as I mentioned, I did a guest blog post um, that got posted yesterday, and it was on a blog called Coach Daddy com, and it was It might be a great topic for us to do, eventually, is um, what uh, historical figures would I like to see half blocks? It was a fun topic. I so to much oh. fun with
0: that. So go check that out. And, that sounds fun. Uh, that. <laughs> and we'll include all of the links to everything that we've talked about, all the books and titles, um, in the actual post, so just okay. for quick reference. Yes. But, um, and I do apologize for the technical difficulties. It was uh, a learning curve being actually live for the first time. <laughs> so Next
1: time we'll just record and we'll post live later. Right.
3: <laughs> yeah, delayed telepository. It's uh, delayed live. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: But righty, you guys, for joining. I had a lot of fun tonight. It's
3: my pleasure. You.
0: Have a good night. Good night. Good
3: night. Good night. <laughs>